0: chapter nineteen of the girl aviators and the phantom airship by margaret burnham this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by leanne howlett brother and sister the first gleam of the summer dawn shining into roy's place of imprisonment at the bottom of the old well revealed to him only too clearly into what a trap he had fallen the well seemed to be about fifty feet or more in depth and the sides were smooth and slippery THE CHILL HE HAD FELT SPREADING THROUGH HIS LIMBS EARLIER WAS GONE NOW, BUT A NUMB SENSATION WAS SETTLING IN WHICH DID NOT LEAVE THEM EVEN WHEN THE BOY WRIGGLED HIS LEGS ABOUT. Phew, thought Roy. I STAND A FAIR CHANCE OF BEING TURNED INTO A POLYWOG OR SOMETHING IF I STAY HERE LONG ENOUGH. SOMEHOW, WITH THE COMING OF DAYLIGHT, THE buoyant SPIRITS OF YOUTH HAD RETURNED TO THE BOY, AND HIS PREDICAMENT DID NOT SEEM NEARLY SO SERIOUS AS IT HAD DURING THE DARK HOURS. But it was bad enough, as Roy realized. From time to time he tried shouting, but no one came to the edge of the well and peered over, although he anxiously kept his eyes riveted on the disk of sky above him. How long this went on, Roy had no idea, but he had sunk into a sort of semi doze when a sudden sound aroused him. A tinkling metallic sound, not unlike the rattling of the chain the night before that had in reality caused his trouble. Help! Help! "'shouted Roy. "'It was perhaps the five-hundredth time "'he had uttered the cry "'since he had tumbled into the well, "'but this time there came a response. "'What is it? "'What's the trouble?' "'The voice sounded rather shaky, "'as if the utterer of the words "'was somewhat scared. "'It's a boy who has fallen into the well,' "'shouted Roy. "'I'm almost exhausted. "'Get me out.' "'A face suddenly projected over the well curb.' "'a face which Roy recognized with astonishment "'of that of old Peter Bell, the hermit. "'Mr. Bell, it's Roy Prescott,' he shouted. "'Can you get a rope and get me out?' "'Good heavens!' cried the hermit. "'It's the boy whose sister was so kind to me. "'However did you—' "'But never mind that now. "'Can you hold on for a time?' "'Yes, but my strength is almost gone.' "'Well, summon up all your courage.' THERE IS A FARMHOUSE NOT FAR OFF. I'LL GO THERE AND GET A ROPE AND BE BACK AS QUICK AS I CAN. WITHOUT WASTING MORE WORDS, THE OLD MAN HASTENED TO HIS LITTLE CART. HE HAD BEEN OUT SINCE DAWN GATHERING HERBS AND ROOTS, THEN HAD TAKEN A SHORTCUT HOME THROUGH THE FIELD IN WHICH THE OLD WELL WAS LOCATED. MUTTERING EXCITEDLY TO HIMSELF, HE CLIMBED SOMEWHAT stiffly INTO HIS RICKETY CONVEYANCE, AND URGED HIS OLD HORSE FORWARD WITH GENTLY SPOKEN COMMANDS. As the animal broke into a trot, the little bell about its neck began to jangle, not unmusically. This was the sound which, fortunately for him, had notified Roy that some human being was at hand. In the near distance, half hidden in trees, could be seen the red-roofed gable of a farmhouse. Toward this, old Peter Bell directed his way. Farmer Ingalls was only too glad, when he heard of the accident, to secure a long rope used in hoisting hay to the top of his big barns. "'Bless my soul!' he exclaimed. "'A lad tumbled into my well. "'Mommer!' turning to a motherly-looking, calico-clad woman. "'You always told me to cover that well up, and I never did, "'and now there's a poor young chap tumbled into it.' "'Hurry!' urged old Peter Bell. "'He was almost exhausted, poor lad. "'We must get back as quick as possible.' Summoning his two hired men, the farmer set off at a run across the fields, easily keeping pace with old Peter's decrepit horse. As they neared the well, they began shouting, and a feeble cry from the depths answered them. "'Cheer up, my lad. We'll have you up out of that place in a brace of shakes,' cried Farmer Ingalls encouragingly, as they reached the curb and peered over into the dark hole. "'I hope you will,' cried Roy. "'It's getting pretty monotonous, I can tell you.' Don't know what mon out on us means, but I'd hate to change places with you, agreed the farmer. Presently the rope came snaking down with a loop in its lower end. Roy was directed to place his foot in the loop and hold on tight. When this had been done he shouted up All right, haul away The stalwart farmer and his two assistants began to heave with all their might, while old Mr Bell encouraged them. Before long, by dint of hard exertions, they succeeded in dragging Roy to the surface, and dripping and shivering, he could stand once more in the blessed air and sunlight. "'But how in the world did you come to get in there?' asked the farmer, as he paced along by the side of the hermit's little cart, in which the half-exhausted Roy had been placed. "'Well,' said the lad, with a rather shamefaced laugh, "'I'm really half ashamed to say, but it was this way.' Some bad men who have an interest in putting me out of an aeroplane contest, of which Mr. Bell knows, had run off with me in an automobile. It was wrecked and I escaped. I struck out toward town, as I thought, but as I came through that patch of woods by the wall, I saw something that startled me so much that I stepped back and fell down the well. "'What did you see, my lad?' asked the farmer, with half a twinkle in his eye. "'Something like a storybook ghost,' smiled Roy. It was tall and all in white and clanked a chain. Ha, <laughs> ha, roared the farmer. I half suspected as much. Why, that ghost was my old white mule boxer. He managed somehow to snap his chain last night, and we found him careening around the fields this morning. Don't color up my boy. For poor Roy's face had turned very red, as the hired men guffawed loudly. Older men than you have been startled at far less "'And now here's the farm, and I'll bet Mommer has a fine breakfast all ready for you.' The half-famished boy ate hungrily of the substantial farmhouse fare Mrs. Ingalls provided for him, and as he ate he made inquiries about the distance to the aviation grounds, which he found, to his dismay, were further distant than he had imagined. "'I'll never be able to make it in time without an automobile,' moaned Roy to himself. "'What shall I do?' He cast about in his mind for some way out of his difficulty, but he could find none. Nor could the farmer help him. There were no automobiles in that part of the country, and then a horse-drawn vehicle he would never be able to make it in time. All at once a queer sound filled the air. The atmosphere seemed to vibrate with it as it does on a still summer day when a threshing machine is buzzing away in a distant field. "'Land a-gush, and what's that?' cried Mrs. Ingalls, running to the door. Lish, lish, come here quick, she shouted the next instant. Followed by the old hermit and Roy, Mr. Ingalls ran to the door, but his exclamations at the sight he saw were drowned by Roy's amazed cry. It's the golden butterfly. An aeroplane, shouted the farmer. My gosh, she's like a pretty bird. It's my, our aeroplane, went on Roy. Who can be in it? Oh, if it's only Peggy, I may not be too late after all. He ran out into the dooryard of the farmhouse, and, snatching off his coat, began waving it desperately. Would the occupant of the aeroplane see his frantic signals? With a beating heart, Roy watched the winged machine as it droned far above him. All at once he gave a delighted shout. The aeroplane was beginning to descend. Down it came in big circles— while the farmer, his wife, and the old hermit gazed open-mouthed at it, as if half-inclined to run. But as it drew closer to the ground, Roy noted a puzzling thing. A helmeted and goggled person was driving it, evidently a boy or man, and not Peggy at all. Who could it be? For an instant a queer thought flashed through his head. Possibly somebody had stolen it and was making off across country with it so as to put it out of the race. More and more rapidly the aeroplane began to drop as it neared the ground and before many minutes it alighted in the patch of meadow in front of the farmhouse gliding gracefully for several feet before it stopped. But the rubber-tired landing wheels had not ceased revolving before Roy was at its side. Say, who are you and what are you doing with my aeroplane? he demanded in heated tones, for the helmeted aviator had not yet even deigned to notice him, but seemed to be busy with various levers and valves. "'Well, are you going to answer me?' sputtered Roy, while the farmer, his wife, the old hermit, and the hired men gazed on curiously. For answer, the mysterious aviator raised his helmet, and a cloud of golden curls fell about a milk-and-rose's face. "'By gum, a gal and a purty one,' cried the farmer, capering about. "'Peggy!' shouted Roy. "'Yes, Peggy,' cried the girl. "'Oh, Roy, what has happened to you? "'When you didn't come back, Jess and Jimsy persuaded me "'to put on your clothes and at least try the butterfly out. "'But I was so miserable that I could not try her out on the track. "'So I flew off across country. "'I saw you waving far below me, and—oh, Roy!' "'Peggy could go no further and half collapsed in Roy's arms "'as he tenderly lifted her out. "'Great hopping water millions, cried the farmer. "'If this ain't a day of wonders!' "'This must be their lad's sister he told us about, "'and to think she come flopping down out of the sky like a seventeen-year locust.' "'Peggy was quickly her usual strong, self-reliant self again. "'With indignation blazing in her kind eyes, "'she heard Roy's account of the happenings of the night. "'At its conclusion, she announced with decision, "'We must defeat them, Roy.' "'Yes, but how? "'There's only a scant half-hour before starting time if you said they'd changed it.' "'Even so, you can make it. "'You must take these clothes and get into the aeroplane and fly back to the track. "'If you go alone, the plane will be light and you can make it in time.' "'But you, Peggy—' "'I guess I can borrow a dress from Mrs. Ingalls here,' said the girl briskly. "'Of course you can,' put in Mrs. Ingalls, "'but surveying her own ample form rather doubtfully the while. "'You can give her one of daughter Jenny's dresses,' said the farmer. "'Then that is settled, thanks to you,' said Peggy, with characteristic decision. They all entered the farmhouse, from which a few seconds later Roy emerged, clad in the garments his sister had donned a short time before. He climbed into the aeroplane amid the admiring comments of the farmhands, who by this time had come in from the fields, drawn by the wonderful airship, and stood all about it, gaping and wondering.' Peggy, in a dress belonging to the farmer's daughter, who was away on a visit, stepped quickly to Roy's side, as after glancing at the clock attached to the front of the aeroplane, he started the engine. As it started its uproarious song, the farmhands jumped back in a fright, but Peggy clasped her brother's hand. "'Win that prize, Roy,' she said. "'I'll do my best, little sister.' And that was all but as Peggy Prescott gazed a few minutes later at the fast-diminishing form of the speeding aeroplane, she felt that all she had braved and dared that day had not been in vain. End of chapter 19